Praise the Lord, brothers, sisters, uh, for this evening. Um, we just heard, read Psalm 91, and I know a lot of us, including myself, throughout my years of, of being a Christian, of walking with Christ, I've read this um, psalm a lot of times, but I never really sat down to really just open it up and see exactly what is, is written in there. And if, if you're in that same place I was, if you haven't really dug really deep into this psalm, tonight it's a very great opportunity uh, for us together as a community, as a, as a body of believers to read this psalm. We, are, we just heard it read, but to really go verse by verse and with the time that I have uh, and just to really open up this, what this chapter is uh, for us. And... Um, with Christmas appro approaching, I, I was thinking about maybe putting together like a Christmas sermon or something like related along those lines. But I believe that once we understand the psalm, everything else just kind of falls, everything else ties in together. Christmas, Easter, you name it. And so Psalm 91, we, we read uh, this chapter and I want to begin in verse 1. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the psalmist David, he talks about a, play, a man who dwells or has, or has lived for a certain period of time in a certain way, uh, and his life is uh, shaped by, or his perspective is shaped by the, by the dwelling that he is found in. And so he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I was thinking about what is the secret place? What does the secret place mean for us? What does the secret place mean for, what did that secret place mean for David? And even in some um, uh, Jewish um, history, they say that even it was possible that Moses wrote this psalm. So when we look at the psalm, what did it mean for Moses? What did it mean, what did it mean for David? And what does it mean for us today, the secret place? And after doing some digging, I, I uncovered a verse, uh, Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse 5. Or, this is a Psalm of David, Psalm 27, verse 5. And it says, For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me, he shall set me high upon a rock. So right away we see that a secret place that I believe that was being talked about was the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And, and what does that mean? What does that mean? In the Holy of Holies, there was, this was a place that was, uh, it was off limits for everybody except the high priest. The high priest had access to the Holy of Holies at certain times of during the year with certain occasions that he was only able to enter once he consecrated himself, once he offered sacrifices, once he was purified totally, he was able to then walk into the Holy of Holies and stand in the presence of God. And so this secret place that David is talking about is he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So you're asking yourself, well, what does that mean? Do I have to be a priest now? Do I have to go do all this weird stuff, all the, you know, offerings and do all this, shed some blood, offer some, some calves in order for me to enter into the Holy of Holies? But that's where the beauty of the gospel steps in that's where we read and we know throughout Scripture that the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross tore that veil that separated us from entering into the Holy of Holies. 
tore that veil that, that stopped, that was only reserved for some people to able to go into the Holy of Holies. It is now available for us to go into that secret place. Now we have access to the secret place that is in the tabernacle, that where, the, where the Spirit of God dwells, where we can find the, the mercy seat. You know, in, in, in that time in the tabernacle, there was, a, there was a, in, inside the Holy of Holies, there was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant, and nobody was allowed to touch it except the high priest. And even if they uh, were to carry it, they were to carry it on poles because if they touched it, they would die. And we read about all these things that th there were so many limitations with entering into the Holy of Holies, with entering into this space that was reserved only for the most holy people. And we, we read about it that we have, we have access to it today. And... Uh, these, these, um, this secret place, this secret place that, that David talks about, it comes with, a, with a dwelling in, in this secret place comes with a variety of promises. And when we read throughout Psalm 91, we read so many promises uh, for the person that dwells in the secret place. And I want to kind of make this... Um, kind of caveat, I guess, where these promises are reserved only for the people that are dwellers of the secret place. And I know that there's people that, that are satisfied with the outer courts of the tabernacle. They're satisfied with just being in the yard. They'll come visit the, 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 the Holy of Holies. They'll come experience one time. They'll visit, you know. But the person who dwells, the person who stays, the person who, uh, the, the, the Jewish word for for dwelling comes from the word yeshab, which means to sit down, to settle, to remain, to inhabit. This doesn't mean just to come on a Sunday and just to spend an hour with the Lord and then check off your list for the rest of the week. This means that daily, daily you find time, you set apart time to spend in the presence of Jesus, to spend in the presence of God, to spend in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to, to, uh, to um, dig into his word, to... Uh, uh, reach out to him in prayer in, in supplication and this this separates a, a large majority of Christians these days where there's a difference between the person who dwells in the secret place and the person who occasionally visits this the the, the secret place and I want to talk about tonight the dwellers in the secret place so I want to talk about a few characteristics of a dweller of, of a person who spends time a person who sits down, who settles, who remains, who inhabits the Holy of Holies in the presence of God in close communion with the Father. And these characteristics, I believe that if you're a true Christian, you will already have these characteristics. If you're a Christian who walks in the Word, who walks guided by the Holy Spirit, who is led by the Spirit, who is led by the Word, these characteristics will automatically be in your life. So the first characteristics... Of a, of a dweller, of a person who dwells in the secret place. His trust is fully in the Lord, no matter the circumstance. A man who dwells knows and understands where, he, where his trust is to be directed. And someone who doesn't dwell can't say with certainty and with full belief that the words that David writes in verse 2. So when we read in verse 2, we, we read, it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. When we read the, these, these next couple of verses, can we say with certainty that 
when we, when we speak about God, when we speak about the Lord, can we say with certainty that he is my refuge, he is my fortress, he is my God, in him will I trust? And I find that oftentimes as believers, we go through these various uh, phases in our lives, right? Some people call them seasons, or some people call them uh, places that, that we go through. And we, we say, oh, I'm going through a, a hard season right now, man, the Lord just been absent in my life. The Lord is, you know, hasn't been there. I'm just kind of, I feel like I'm on my own, right? But a man who dwells in the presence of God, a man who makes his dwelling place in the presence and fellowship and communion with the Lord, he can say with certainty that the, God is my refuge. He is my fortress and God will I trust. And then it, it goes to list, David goes to list and he lists these number of just awful things that, that could happen to just a person. It says that Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings he shall take cover. Um, little side note here. I'm just going to uncover verse, verse 4 real quick. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take cover. I have chickens at home. I have a lot of chickens at home. And I don't know, about 45 or so chickens. So if you guys need fresh eggs, you hit me up. I'll give you fresh eggs. Um, not right now because it's winter time with less eggs during the summer. But anyways, we had this hen. We had this hen, and uh, she laid some eggs, this hen. And uh, me and my dad, we were going to take the hen off the eggs, and we were going to take the eggs and put them in a little incubator so they can hatch uh, kind of not naturally, I guess. And so we go to this hen, and we try to pick her up, but she immediately just starts pecking at us. She's like, man, get out of here, you know. So we're like, okay, okay, you know, you keep the eggs, you know. So she, you know, the hen found her place. She she stayed with those eggs. We didn't we didn't incubate those eggs. The eggs just hatched naturally. And after a time, maybe a couple of weeks after the eggs hatched, the little chicks were running around. They're running around. But when the, when when it, it kind of got cold outside, when the sun set, all these little hens would just gather underneath the, it just kind of snuggle up under the hen. And I'm like looking at this. I'm like, man. This is the same with us and the Lord. When, when, you know, when it seems like we're just like, we're lost or we're, we're in the dark place where we don't know what, what's going on, we can always go to the Lord and he'll always, like, like David said, he shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. And I'm like, wow, this, this happens in the, natu in the natural world in, in just regular chickens, right? But God is so much greater than than, than, than just a chicken. He's, he's so much greater. He can take us under his wing. He can guide us. He can deliver us from anything. And I'm looking at this verse, and I'm sure David, he, he understood what, what the natural world was, and he understood what, what it meant for, for, for chicks to take their cover underneath uh, the, the hen, the mother hen. Continuing on to verse 5, it says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrows that fly by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon, noonday. And he continues and says, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. So instead of being afraid, instead of being anxious, we read all these things, instead of being afraid, instead of being anxious, instead of being unsure of what to do, the man who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he will be reminded of the promises that are reserved to him from God. A, a person who dwells in the secret place, he, he has access to all of these promises. And when he's going through all these hard times, when it says 
you shall not be afraid of the, of the destruction or the darkness or of the terror or of all these things. Um, the man that dwells is reminded of the promises that come with this. He says, he will deliver you. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge and you shall not be afraid. So, yes, even maybe the person who doesn't dwell uh, will face, won't face any of these situations. But what, what expense? Insecurity, anxiety, depression, uncertainty, the list goes on and on. The psalmist uh, follows the statement with a few more promises. So that brings us to a question. I've been asked this question a lot, and I feel like as believers, we oftentimes question ourselves the same thing. We say, okay, I'm going to be a dweller. I'm going to be found in the secret place. I'm going to be in dear communion with the Father. Does this exclude me from, from, from everything that could possibly go wrong? Does this mean that I won't be sick again? Does this mean that I won't experience pain again? Does this mean that I won't be able to experience any of the negativity that the world offers? And the answer to that simply is no, you won't. The, the, the answer to that is, although all these troubles may come, and we will face troubles as Christians, the Bible tells us that, especially in the New Testament, it says that if you desire to follow God, you will face perse persecutions. And so throughout all these things, we say, well, Lord, I'm, I'm a dweller, I'm, a, I'm in close communion with you, I'm a follower of you. I should be protected from all of these things. But the, the, the promise remains that God will be there for us even when we don't see him. He will guide us. He will carry us through. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of the, of the death, uh, the psalmist tells us, he will guide us. He will be with us. He will not leave us. Uh, an example that helped me understand this was, um, I heard this, I believe, in a sermon somewhere. I don't remember where. But anyways, the, the example was, God's love and protection for us is kind of like an eclipse, right? Have we ever seen an eclipse? Have we, I think they happen, I don't know, once every so often where we go outside, the, the moon covers the sun and it carries on and everything just goes dark for a second for maybe a couple minutes. I don't know how long an eclipse lasts. But during that moment, during that time when the moon goes over the sun, the question is, does the, did the sun lose any of its brilliance? Did the sun lose any of its power during that time? Does the sun get any smaller during that time? Or was, was the sun just covered by an object that was going to pass by in a couple minutes? And so the same way that remains, the, this promise remains for us. We, we, look at, we look at God and we see a trouble that, that may come before us. And it, it covers our, it distorts our view of God. We say God has become smaller. God isn't be able to help me because I'm going through this difficult time in my life. But we remind ourselves that God still remains powerful. God still remains omnipotent. God still remains magnificent. He's able, but our, our perspective of him, of him is, is shrouded by this object that passes by, that, by this situation that passes by. But that, that, that doesn't change the character of God. That doesn't change the fact that God still loves us. That doesn't change the fact that God still cares for us. That doesn't change the fact that God still guides us through these dark times. Um, so God doesn't promise us a, a life free of troubles. But what he does promise us is that he will give us peace and comfort and, and, and counsel and guidance and lead us through these troubles. The second characteristic, characteristic of a dweller is that he has set his love upon God. He has set his love upon God and has known his name. 
when we look at the word love, this is found in verse 14. Verse 14, 15, and 16. We're going to finish off these three verses here. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. This, this word love, we understand that this is a sacrificial uh, term. It's an action word. It's not just a passive, uh, yeah, I love, you know, I love uh, Chick-fil-A on Sundays because it's closed, and that's the thing that I desire most on Sundays. Yeah, I love, I love my neighbor because he lent me his lawnmower to cut the grass. I love this and that. But the word here, love, is a sacrificial word. It means that I love God so much that I am willing to set aside all my pleasures. I'm willing to set aside all my desires to honor God, to pursue God, to, to glorify God through my life. What does that mean? What, how do I show my love to God? You know, oftentimes we... We are able to put these together, these eloquent words that uh, we, we, we make up all these words and we try to show our devotion to God. We try to show our love to him. But what actions do we take to show God that we love him? And so it says that, David says, because he has set his love upon me, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. The promises that, that God has for us, if we set our love upon him, is that is that I will deliver him. I will set him on high. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will honor him. I will satisfy him. The last one, it says, I will show him my salvation. <clears throat> so what does that look like? What, is, what, what, what actions, what steps can we take to show our love to God? The most, I guess, easy, easiest thing that we can do to show our devotion to the God is to give him our time is to give him our, our, our time that we have set aside for other things, just give it to the Lord. And what do I mean by this? I know today, especially, uh, it's very popular, and I was listening to a podcast, actually, which podcasts, I guess, are a waste of time. depends on what you listen to. So, Lord, forgive me for listening to many podcasts. But I was listening to a podcast one time, and they did a, they did a study, and they were saying that, just an average human being, he can't go more than like two or three minutes without reaching into his phone and just kind of pulling it out and just like even checking the weather, just something that'll distract him for two seconds. And then he'll put that phone back in his pocket and then carry on doing what he was doing. And then after a time, he'll talk, talk, talk with somebody, maybe his buddies or something. Out comes the phone, scroll for two seconds. Okay, you know, put it back in the pocket. And I found myself doing that sometimes where I'm talking to somebody. I'm like, okay, this is just automatic. It just comes out. Okay, put it back in, you know. And it might seem like something very small to us, but when we do this a lot, and then when we go home at night, when we, when we go to bed, we just sit there for hours and hours and just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And we, and we, come, to, we come in the morning and we, we say, Lord, I didn't have time. Man, I didn't have time. I was so tired. I went to bed. But in fact, going to bed meant you going, you going into bed at 10 p.m. and then finally falling asleep at 12 p.m. because you were scrolling. So... The, the hard truth remains that when we set our time apart for God, when we set our time, we say, Lord, look, five minutes. I'm setting this time apart for you. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. But this time is devoted to you. This is how I'm going to show my devotion to you. This is how I'm going to show my love to you. I'm going to set aside time to develop my relationship with you, to develop my communion with you, to, to be found in the secret place, to be found in the place where God's mercy is shown to me, to, to be found in the place where the Spirit of God is able to move in my life, 
And the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more time we spend in that secret place, the more God will, will reveal himself to, us, the, himself to us, the more he will show himself to us. And we will, we will naturally start moving away from, from the things that rob us of our time. We will naturally start moving away from spending hours on social media, spending hours on, on YouTube and, and Instagram and TikTok and all these things that t rob us of our time that we could be spending in communion with the Lord. So in conclusion, when we read this psalm, when we read this, um, we read about a, a person who dwells. And the question that I want to give to us tonight is that, am I a dweller? Am I a person who is found dwelling in the secret place of the Almighty? Am I a person who, is, who longs to come into the presence of God, to spend maybe a few minutes in His presence? And I mean it genuinely loving to spend that time in his presence or do we do it just out of a habit do we do it just out of a okay i want to do it just because i need i need to take off my list uh you know uh, oftentimes i even found myself doing this is that I, I would in the morning i would like man let me just read the bible real quick so i could just for the rest of the day i don't have to worry about it you know and looking at myself I'm like man that's i was so foolish i was so just full of myself because i'm like I'm just going to read these quick verses in the morning and then I don't have to do it for the rest of the day, you know, because if I'm going to bed at night, like, man, I haven't read my Bible today. But if I remind myself, hey, I read the Bible this morning. Okay, I'm good. I don't have to read my Bible anymore. That's not a person who dwells. That's not a person who longs to be in the presence of God. That's not a person who, who desires to come quickly into the house of the Lord and just spend this time in his presence. And the question remains, Am I a dweller or am I just a visitor? Am I just a spectator? Am I just a person who's found in the outer courts? Am I just the one that, that is satisfied with the, with the crumbs? Am I just the one that is, that is uh, maybe comes once a year to and had a really powerful encounter with God and then I just forget about it? Or am I the person that comes daily and it just presses for the Lord, that seeks the Lord, that longs for the Lord, that longs for His presence, that longs to, be, to spend time in His Word, to spend time in prayer? And that is the question that I want to ask us to, to ask ourselves. And I want to finish off with one last verse from Psalm 27. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 4. And I want, to, I want this to be just an encouragement for every single one of us. As Christmas approaches, as, Chris, as this new year approaches, I know a lot of us are going to be um, making new year resolutions, uh, maybe to spend more time in the Word, maybe to spend more time uh, in fellowship with God. And... I believe that if we set our goals before this new year, if we start today, maybe let's just start today. Maybe in this next prayer, we make a goal for ourselves. Lord, this, the rest of this month, I don't know how long that's left, but I want to be found in your presence for the rest of this month. I want to be led by your presence. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. I want to be led by your word this month, for the rest of this month. I'm not going to wait until New Year's. I'm not going to wait until maybe, you know, like a Monday or maybe like a Sunday night. I'm not going to wait until that. I'm going to do it tonight. I want to be a dweller tonight. I want to be a person who is found in the secret place tonight. And so Psalm 27, verse 4, it says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David, he, he understood. He understood one thing. He understood where the presence of God was he understood what it meant to dwell. He understood what it meant to be in the presence of the Lord. He understood what it, what it meant when he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He understood that in Jesus, you can only find peace. In Jesus, you can only find comfort. 
you know, we go to a lot of self-help kind of things that to help us through our troubles. We go, you know, we do like a, a fast maybe, not a spiritual fast, but like a, maybe like, we, like a cleansing or something like that. And we turn to all of these things. And the last thing we go to is like, okay, Lord, I tried everything. Fine, I'm going to go to Jesus. But God doesn't want that. God wants you to immediately, like, like uh, Brother Mark was preaching, we, we set aside the Lord. That's like our, on a back burner. Like, let's try everything else but the Lord. And when time really, really get tough, then we'll go to the Lord. That's not what, what, what God desires of us. God desires that we enter with boldness into the, his temple. Uh, I believe Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter, chapter 10 Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, 20 and 21, 22. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus into the holy of holies, by a new living way, which he consecra consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So my, my, my call, I guess, for us tonight is let's really ask God, where are we, Lord, on our walk with you? Am I a dweller? Am I a person who dwells in the secret place? Am I a person who dwells in the presence of God daily? Do I seek that presence? Do I long for that presence? Am I one who is walking in that presence? Or am I just one who occasionally, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, maybe I'll go to the Lord, maybe I won't. Let's ask ourselves that question tonight. And so from this, as we further our walk with the Lord, as we continue walking, as we continue pursuing God, I believe that daily, if we set aside time for the Lord, if we set aside time to spend in His presence, God will begin to reveal Himself to us. God will begin to bless us. God will begin to open up new doors, new avenues, new ways for us that we may walk in and being led by him. So that is my call for us tonight. That is my prayer. And if that is you tonight, if that is you tonight, uh, just pray that prayer wherever you are. Lord, you see where I am in my spiritual walk with you. Help me to be a dweller. Help me to be a person like David, where he knew where the presence of God was, where he knew where the spirit of the Lord was. Uh, and with that, let's just all stand up. Let's go to God with a word of prayer. And uh, let's ask him, for his guidance, for his strength. So, Father, we thank you. We glorify you and we 